0: This is Punk Theology, the podcast. Punktheology.com
1: You're listening to Season 2. In Season 1, we talked about dealing with one's shit, right? People who go into recovery, for example. People who go to therapy. uh, This is dealing with your shit, you know? Some great words of wisdom from my life. When life becomes unmanageable, deal with your shit. Um that's that goes beyond just merely getting sober for me as an ex-addict um but also this season wanted to talk about handling your shit because that's another one like dealing with life just day to day working a job um having a family being in relationships with people paying your bills um getting up in the morning this is handling one's shit and handling one's shit while dealing with one's shit—that's what we're going to talk about today. Merry Christmas, <laughs> as this is being recorded. Christmas time, punk theology, season two,
2: episode seventeen. You're on a budget, no narrow in the bank. You're on a budget, no more gas in the tank, but you're gifted. With much to give and so little
3: to live on Puck Rock Christmas Tell me where you've been Like a junkie in the alley Like a better friend I haven't seen you
2: around
1: It's been almost a year Puck Rock Christmas Come spread your
4: cheer Alright, welcome to
1: the Aussie <laughs> <laughs> While my phone goes off from someone named Scam Likely Knock it up
4: Oh, the Likely family Stop Scam it. and...
1: Anyway,
2: uh, John, how was your week? Oh, we were just doing banter here. <laughs> conversational, <laughs> foreplay.
3: Banter.
1: Conversational. conversational foreplay. Conversation. Conversational
2: foreplay. Let's just go. Yeah, you <laughs> don't need
3: foreplay
1: tonight.
2: Uh, so wait, good,
3: what, was wait what was the question that was just asked? The question. So go and dry.
1: Okay, so we've been
2: talking a lot about therapy and mental health, and yeah, we've been, Derek's, doing been weeks of that. Derek's been doing EMDR. I've been doing EMDR. Russ has been doing EMDR. Chuck just started seeing a therapist recently. And uh, Steve has been exploring that, and, and I don't Iona. It seems like that's taken the turn where we talk about mental health considerations, and but that's real because of stuff that that's coming out front and center that we're yeah, yeah. that we're exploring that we're dealing with, and we have each other to bounce ideas off of. And
3: so one of the questions, <laughs> well, here, you, no, you no, have, the ahead. talking stick is great. No, one of the questions. Go. <laughs> well, I'm
1: sorry,
2: I I do. As that. I understood, the question was um, that you posed, and, and please elaborate if need be. Is Why are some people afraid to pursue therapy? Most people are afraid. If they're honest. Yeah, because you don't really do it until like, okay, I need some help. I've gone as far as I can on my own. I'm more
0: afraid of where I'm going than I am of seeing a therapist.
2: Yes. Yes. And I've read the self-help books and I've tried this and that. And it's like, yeah, no, I'm in over my head. I, I need help. So then you make the decision to reach out for someone. And by the time you do... It's not. It's probably not the best day of your life, but, yeah. uh, but you know, like like some of the basic things are the cost of it, the time commitment. Um, could
3: you, you just say those are excuses, though? Yeah, why you're you're could. Prolonging, you not could. You could. You could. But it isn't cheap, though. No, it's not. <laughs> right. well,
1: excuses are a good topic too, um, part of this conversation. But yeah, one of the reasons I I brought this up was uh, I had a conversation a while back. I have. I'm an Uber and Lyft driver. Right. So I talked to a lot of people. And I was ta- I was talking to some I had some pastor in the car, right? He, oh I'm a pastor, you know. Was I drove him somewhere. To you? <laughs> no, he wasn't really, but it was interesting. I picked him up from a church and he was going like to the bus station or something like that. And I did, I, so I told him about punk theology. <laughs> like, what is that? You know? He and he he sounded a little he sounded a little condescending to what we were doing, but the more I thought about it, I said I said, um, we are doing what the church tells everyone that they should do, which is, I'll put it in quotes, air quotes, repent, right? Like, if your life isn't going well, you turn from whatever is damaging your life to a better life. That's, in a nutshell, how Christians would claim repentance. But no one in the church is doing that. They just point at everyone else and say how you should get your life straight, right? But that all looks plastic on the surface. We don't really talk about what's when I real. Say- Repent they
4: mean conform. Yeah, mm. that's
1: a good one, yeah. Or is that the fall in line is around. that the pop theology fucking translation towards repentance is fall in line. I mean you're sinning system. for a while,
2: but you gotta stop at some point. Yeah. With me.
1: And and for me, so this last year has been brutal. Um, I've done a year's worth of, of trauma therapy. I've been on an antidepressant. And that was part of my therapist's uh, recommendation, because of the kind of work we're doing, and and because of my complex trauma, Um, and so handling, handling my shit. So, and this has been, you're right, Jackie. You you bring up the word excuses. Um, This has been one for me where, like, I'll dip my toe into, you know, not destroying my life. You know, and I'm done pretty good. You know, I'm not an addict anymore. I haven't been to jail in a very long time. Um, I've been faithful to my wife for w- w- longer than 13 years now. Um, so I've handled my shit to that level. But to heal all my wounds, uh, part of me, and, and here's the fear I think a lot of people have with therapy, was like you were saying, Jock, is this going to? destroy? Disrupt my day-to-day, work-a-day life. Like, (laughs) hey, I want to go on a vacation. I need to make X amount of money, X amount of dollars weekly so that I can pay my bills and take a vacation in the summer and have a relatively normal life. And doing some of this work is going to fuck with that, man. It's going to disrupt me. It's going to hurt. It's going to jack with how i feel some days i'm not going to want to work um losing my friend dave recently really screwed with me um i, I was a late month late on a mortgage because i am more mindful of my mental health now than i am just grinding it out because i could do that i could show up every day at work mm-hmm. there's a few days i just laid in bed and fucking cried Ooh. and and that was okay um but, yeah, you know, handing it off, you get what I'm saying, right? Like, there's a, there, there's a real consequence to actually dealing with your shit. And that's kind of the topic of this show. Can you handle your shit? Like Dan that analogy is so good. Changing the oil in the car while it's still driving down the road. Can we do that? Yeah, and that's, I mean... To be honest, that's where I've been for
0: a while. Things are better now, but for a good, solid month, that's exactly... I really connected with that analogy that Dan gave. Because that's exactly what it felt like. It's like, like I don't feel like I can get through the next hour right now. Mm. And I've got kids to take care Mm -hmm. of, and a job to work, (laughs) and logistics here and there, like all over the place. And I'm not even sleeping well, and so that's adding to it, and... And then at the same time, being like, Anna and I've got a certain level of privilege in that, because, uh, yeah, just because I, you know, I can afford that a little bit. Mm. Uh, it's not gonna really fuck with me too bad, but just a little bit of burden that I did have. Uh, yeah, it sucked. That, it was, it's no fun having to feel like you want to just stop everything and deal with what's in front of you
2: and it's just not possible so, I, so we were asking Steve you talked about seeing a therapist for a while and you haven't done that yet are you comfortable saying why like why haven't you personally because you've expressed interest you read yeah. a
4: lot of books uh What's the reluctance? And it's just, uh, just as I've even said here in the last few minutes, thinking that for me... It's this is an intervention. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> for my generation, it is... Buck up. Yeah. Don't share nice. your feelings. Boomer generation. Don't be... Steve. Yeah, boomer mm-hmm. generation. Don't be emotional.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Don't cry at movies. Uh, don't be honest with what you're feeling. Don't share your fears. Fake it. Mm-hmm.
1: Be the man. So be the a, man.
4: So it's a very... Handle your shit yes. first. Kinda. Internally. Yeah. And just deal with it and don't tell anybody. The opposing word for that is toxic masculinity. Exactly. exactly. And the year and a half that we've been in this group, that's been probably the best for me is that I've been able to become more vulnerable and not afraid of sharing my fears, my frustrations, my struggles. Where in the past, I have shared struggles and they've been slapped down how do you do that? How can you think that? Why would you want to do that type of thing? I go, it's every day. How? You must not be a, you must not be a Christian. You must not be saved. Are you walking with Jesus? Damn, that's and that's probably, for me, that biggest fear. And I've become more and more honest. I'm more and more vulnerable with people. And I think it was always the fear of being that open and that vulnerable with a therapist that I don't know. So it take you some time to get. Yeah, that trust. it has taken me time. You guys have been instrumental in that, and that's what you know. I've shared that in past episodes, giving me the uh, giving me a platform to share, and knowing that I'm not going to be uh, condemned or judged by it.
1: Yeah,
4: questioned on it, which is awesome but it is, honestly, it is a fear of being known. Well, the other part to that too mm-hmm. is is you wouldn't want to go to
2: therapy, or I, I would probably discourage someone from going to therapy. I mean, whatever. I mean, you can benefit from it, no harm probably, right. but if you're not really ready to talk and to be honest and to be vulnerable, you're just kind of wasting time and money. You kind of got to be willing to ah, like let it out and have your demons exercise mm-hmm. for it to be yeah.
4: effective. This is, my ther- this is part of my therapy is you guys because it's just sharing the secrets getting them out putting them under light and letting yeah. other be- let other people know what you struggle with
1: and that's some of maybe what's lost culturally is that guys don't do stuff like this the women do kind of but some women don't either like we're becoming a really disconnected culture everybody gets on social media and gets their little kind of hit of social you know, like is this, this normal? <laughs> it's not. Really, it's not face to face. It's no. not eye to eye.
2: Seems like a lot of that's so, winding down. Yeah, it, yeah
1: maybe some of it's. The shine's starting to come off
2: the apple. Yeah. yeah. Um, you have all these kids that are depressed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think,
0: and I think that's the key is that the younger generation is starting to be like, "This isn't so great." The people that are most into it and most addicted to it, feel the most and have been the most invested in and grow up with it. They're starting to look around and be like, "Yeah." I don't,
2: this doesn't seem to be producing great mm-hmm.
1: results. Mm-hmm. I, it's
2: not real, right? I had a thought, though, like to something all you guys are saying, and really just stuff we talk about, is um, uh, when my, my mother made some decisions in her early to mid-40s, where I was a young man in my early twenties, And already out of the house or, or whatever, but she but she made some decisions in middle age that are having some implications now, like like twenty years later, that are kind of impacting me and, and impacting like my family a little bit. Just some decisions that she made that were life altering, and what kind of decisions? <laughs> that's that's her story to tell. That's okay. that, that's her story to tell, um, but.
1: impacted you
2: yeah and where i'm going with it is while it's difficult because of the space i'm in i don't begrudge her for kind of losing her mind in her early 40s like oh yeah she was nuts no wonder she did x or, or made x decision that you know has some ripple effects it's like and that's one thing like i've said often like if you would have told me this as a young man about the caricature of midlife or whatever, I just would have kind of laughed or chuckled. And what's blowing me away is that, that shit's real. Like it's so real. And doesn't it, feel so funny. It doesn't feel funny. It doesn't. It, it, it's like I'm. I'm not the. Uh, the sports car and the you know nineteen year old girlfriend guy and I don't yeah. have that character yet. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking <fading> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <I thought> that.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I I don't think I have it in me, honestly. But I mean, I guess every man does on some level. But but no, it, it, it's yeah. I'm not that worried about going there. But anyway, I don't even. I haven't honestly seen a lot of that caricature, honestly. Like in my own life, anecdotally, I haven't really seen that thing play out that often. I think that was something maybe baby boomers did more. Anyway all that to say is everyone just nuts or is it just kind of us (laughs) like is it just kind of like people you keep company with that that you bounce things off of or is it just something where invariably life just gets hard and kind of grates on you and you enter into the second stage of it is it just is that just what happens to everybody I don't know that it happens to
0: everybody
2: yeah I think like's attracted to
1: like what do you mean
0: like, well, I think maybe at some level everybody does, but I think the people that struggle with it the most tend to hang out with other people that also struggle with it a lot.
2: Um, well, I guess, but to that question where does everyone struggle with it, is they struggle with it, but they don't acknowledge it, or they don't deal with it, or they suppress it? And Yeah, maybe, but it's still there, though, right? Like, those, these are just human questions and human pains that affect everyone.
4: I tend to think that.
1: Did everybody struggle with that? Yeah.
4: Like, does everyone need therapy? <laughs> <laughs> what you, to some
2: degree. How
1: would you define yeah. it? Like, the subjective idea that the world is broken and we finally realize that?
2: I don't know what that means. That the world is broken?
1: Yeah. I mean, just, I think that that's a real thing. It was for me. When I went through with all these recovery groups, and one of the big kind of aha moments in, in recovery was, oh, shit, my life wasn't normal. Like, really? You know, like, uh, other kids didn't go through this kind of thing, you know? Oh, I got Even gotcha. sexual abuse. Like, I thought, aren't all kids, like, some doesn't kind of weird... Does have weird shit? Yeah, doesn't have anybody have some older person that touched them inappropriately? Or 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 my stepmother, who was, was kind of psycho and fucking threw full cans of soda at me when I was seven years old, you know, like, angry all the time and... You know, doesn't everyone's family or mom like divorce a few guys? You only know what you know. Yeah, you only know what you know, you in know other words, right? So it's that subjective idea is like you get to that point and you're like, Oh, the world is really like my life is broken, the world's broken. I think that, that some people sink into hopelessness and that can create depression, right? I'm I'm
2: not I'm not um, interacting well with the word broken though. Like you know? That's just maybe the space I'm in, like I
0: tend to approach it where I've been approaching it more is just the fact that things reality's never as good as you can imagine. Yeah. That's the fundamental human problem. And it tends to unfold more and more and more as you age, I think. <laughs> and, I, and I think, you know, just starting to enter the middle midlife stuff, like there's just a lot of imaginations I have that are just not in the cards anymore. Mm. I think just dealing with that uh, I had a really good conversation with my daughter recently. She was having some kind of angry outbursts and stuff.
1: Were my listeners how old is your daughter? She's eight. Eight, yes. And
0: uh, <laughs> and we sat down and talked about that concept, uh, and she connected with it really strongly. Like, yes, that's exactly what I'm frustrated. I have this thing in my head, and it won't work outside of me like I have in my head.
2: Reality like, won't conform. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I yeah. was straight with her. I said, That's beautiful. That's
0: probably gonna it well, it's definitely always gonna be there and it's probably only gonna get worse. Yeah. And she like that helped her a lot. Just like, I could that. see it. Just like, yeah. yeah, oh thank you. Like thank you for being straight with like, you know, and she Knew it at some level, probably, but just having it spoken out loud,
2: like I don't have that false hope that it would. Right. I'm yeah. like,
0: you're going to spend the rest of your life dealing with that. I promise. That's always going
4: to be there. You know, the 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 encouragement to her might be the fact that okay, this unfulfilled expectation isn't unique to me. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, we've got some extremes, but yet when we're honest, we all have issues that fail to live up to our expectations and as you get older and you see those realities not happening or you come to a place of health where you think i could do this if i was 40 and not 63
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
4: there is a
0: there's an interesting study on the u curve of age and happiness have you seen that one Mm -hmm. how uh people's happiness peaks around between the age of 25 and 28 and then plateaus and bottoms out around between, I think, 35 and 45. And then by 50 to 55, they're back up again. Yes. And accelerating. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's great
1: news. And that's
0: pretty universal across the board. Uh, it's All been right. replicated a number of times. Damn it. But then your body starts
1: to fail you. So yeah, but you don't care. Up. And I think, wait, wait, wait,
0: I can't work this anymore. And they've had people that were talking about that. Um, and part of the thing was that their body was falling apart, but it wasn't as bad as they were expecting yeah. like they had this image in their head for so long of what old age is like right. and how miserable it was and they're going through it and it's like it's bad but it's not really no so it's almost like I'd agree like that. the low point is because you expected good things to happen and bad shit keeps happening and you kind of hit the peak of that in your mid 40s and then all of a sudden you're as pessimistic as you get you can possibly get and then things start To be not quite as bad as it can only get better. (laughs) (laughs) It can only get better. I don't
2: know. No, it sounds good. That's
1: encouraging. (laughs) It's kind of a broad generalization, but it's true. I mean, for a lot of people. I'm kind of a, I consider myself a realistic optimist. Like, I'm I'm optimistic, but in in a way that embraces reality. (laughs) If that makes sense. Not possible. I'm a a (laughs) faithful person. I guess that. (laughs) When I when I put faith into it, pessimistic <laughs> on When I put faith in the in the mix of it, um, I I always see growth and opportunity and and uh, and so so in that realm, I'm I'm pretty optimistic. But I also like meaning. I think meaning is important. There's this guy Daniel Pink wrote a book called The Whole New Brain, and his his synopsis or theory is that in the future. The right brain strong people are going to rule. So all of the stuff that the left brain people did will be done by either machines or be outsourced to another country. Where the people who are creative, who embrace things like meaning and story, relationship—that's um, not true because the robots will all kill us all by then. <laughs> <laughs> the robots will come in. Yeah, but what what he said about meaning I thought was really important. Like. And it, was, it reminded me of Donald Miller, too. Donald Miller talked about this story brand mm-hmm. idea that he was having this conversation with some guy in Portland, you know, and they were talking about something, and his friend said, uh, well, you know, da 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 life is meaningless, right? da 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 and he just kind of brushed it off. Like, well, you know, and Portland's like that, like Seattle, very. Well, you know, there's no real, everything's there's no objective truth. <laughs> and Donald Miller said uh, to his friend, he goes, he goes, what if life isn't meaningless? He goes, "What if just your life is meaningless?" <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "Well, we're not friends anymore." But, but that's but that's true, right? Like, there's a lot of people who who just fall into this tank of just oh, everything sucks and there's no meaning. I, I think we have to put meaning in life. Like, it's like it takes work. Well, actually. I think that, and that's part of also if dealing with your shit and handling your shit is there's a story involved where you're. You're, um, you're seeing the meaning at the end of dealing with your shit. So you have to handle your shit. That gives you motivation to keep going through the shit that you have to handle.
2: Well, so one thing I was working on in therapy that this reminds me of a bit that's kind of come to the surface recently, it's been, you know, I, I've known that it's been there, but is like to what you're describing, Russ, in, in that idea of meaning is a lot of us were conditioned to believe that... Um, what you want and what you value isn't good, and you should want what God wants. Those, those no, are like kind of two different opposing things, you know? Like if I feel too good, or if I feel too comfortable, or if, if uh, it's too much me, then maybe that's not good or spiritual, and you should consider, uh, is that really what God would want you to do? And there's there's always this second guessing that comes up with that. And I'm pushing
1: back that thought now as I grab another beer. N- nah, no one cares, but go for it. <laughs> it's, the, it's
2: the same thing. Uh, that you're getting another beer, I meant. <laughs> like no one cares. But, um. Uh, damn it, I lost my train of thought,
1: you I'm fucker. So- <laughs> I'm sorry, Joe. Uh,
2: but, okay, um, so, so, so when, when you get this idea of making your own meaning, and, you know, do you, do you have intrinsic freedom to do that and to run with that? Because that's something I'm kind of exploring. Like, what does that look like in the second stage of life? And what do I value? What do I want? And am I even free to ask those questions internally? Like, I think I should be, but I'm kind of struggling with, do I have the internal freedom to run with it?
0: Yeah, I think, so that's something that's come up in my therapy a bit. Um, and my struggle with creating meaning is that there's no such thing as airtight meaning. No. Okay. Yeah. And so, and it's pretty easy to, for me to poke holes in pretty much any form of meaning. Um, and so, and I feel like I ha- it has to be airtight because it doesn't feel safe if it's not airtight. Yeah. And so, what I'm attacking now is okay. Why is that s- desire to be safe so strong? Mm-hmm. Can you get to the point where you just don't have to be so goddamn safe all the time, and you can invest in a meaning that's not airtight?
1: Uh, Sounds good. That's that emotional thinker thing that we were talking about in the last podcast, too. It's tied to that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it comes up a lot And So I
0: have these children in this in this safe room. Uh, that's where almost all of our work is right now. Uh, and, and one of them is Wednesday Adams, who I think I've talked about before on the podcast, and she's just super pessimistic. And the last week and a half, two weeks, every time I visited my room, she is off the walls aggressive. Like, just furious uh, like demanding control uh, and the last two weeks I've been incredibly pessimistic like, interesting and just and it was I didn't even make that connection until like a week into it which is also it that just blows me away
1: that uh, that yeah like it also sounds somehow. like the conversation you had with your daughter
0: yeah and in yeah. some and in some ways Wednesday, is a lot like my daughter. Mm-hmm. Sometimes she manifests herself like my daughter. How old is Lizzie? Uh, 12 to 14. But yeah, so I'm the, she's the one I've been dealing with mostly right now. Uh, and for that, because she hates that she's so pessimistic, but she feels like it's what keeps us safe, and that's the most important thing, is to be safe. Yeah. And she knows that she ruins everybody's fun. But she also has this motherly, like, but that's what keeps them safe thing.
4: I just <clears throat> discovered or realized my six-year-old self in me. And I was texting Chuck the other night. Um, Nancy and I are having, my wife and I were having a conversation. And she said something, and the six-year-old self in me raged up. And I could feel that little kid wanting to respond. And how he responds is in anger, and then pouts to get his way. Is mm-hmm. that have uh, an actual memory for you? Does that pull a memory, or is that just an emotion? I, you know, I think it's both. Okay. Because I remember doing that okay. as a six-year-oldish, um, knowing that it wasn't safe that I I couldn't. And that's one of the things I still struggle with. You know, fifty-seven years to the eight years later, is feeling safe, and by safe, I mean. Express what I'm feeling and not be told that's wrong, right. and you're wrong for feeling that. Not
0: have to anticipate consequences yeah. for just, yeah. I mean, so I'll, feel feeling
4: something, I'll, feel that, I'll feel the six-year-old self starting to come up, even in traffic. <laughs> you know, I was just coming out um, from North Everett here on uh, Marine View Drive today, and I was going to get right back off on Everett Avenue, and I got up to about 55, and I'm getting off, so I'm not going to get up to 60. I had some asshole behind me doing this to me and then he comes by and looks at me and my six-year-old self flipped him off. I didn't know what it was because I had felt, my six-year-old self felt like this guy had mocked you. This guy was... Yeah, yeah. And so that came up and it's a, it, for me the healthy part is I recognize the kid. Yeah. I see what he's doing and he wants to protect us and I, and I keep saying, he has this repairing I say, I don't need you, thank you, it's been awesome. But I don't need you any longer to protect me. I'm 63 years old. I can protect <laughs> myself. I can defend myself now. Can but you? He keep, can you he still give him? Can you give him something to protect?
0: That's been a helpful thing for us Ooh. in our group. Mm-hmm. Is like just give him what he give him something that he can. Such as. Yeah. So my eight year old self had a real significant transformation in the last couple of weeks. He was really he was black and evil and had a really evil grin and we pulled some stuff together and he got like shell shocked. Um, and, uh, and he's like a gray green color now and he uh, looks a lot more like a kid and less like a monster. And he's been like that for two weeks. And part of my frustration in this last session was that I wasn't able to move, move, it. move that. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, she asked me what he wanted to make him feel better. So, I gave him three little stuffed animals that I had when I was real little uh, that have long since worn out by the time I was eight, and a gun. And that's what he wanted, and that helped.
3: Interesting. Yeah.
4: Yeah,
2: yeah because otherwise, you're telling your six year old self to, hey, shut up. Yeah, I got yeah, this. Yeah. And so, yeah. so give him something give to him do. Something to, huh, to fill. That's good. Yeah.
4: hope they'll work that one. No. Therapy, buddy. <laughs> oh no! Are you going to call someone Why? next year?
2: Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, we're going to get
4: expensive here. <laughs> yes. Well, my insurance—if <laughs> in, he or she's in network, it's thirty dollars copay. Like, oh my! We God. should all figure out how to bill each other's insurance. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that would pay for the podcast. Yeah, two hundred bucks an hour. <laughs> but each? something you shared yeah. last week, yeah. and we—I don't think we were recording it, but I thought it was really interesting. If you don't mind sharing yeah. the... Remind me. The, um, you having a conversation. Oh. And you haven't been in therapy, but you went for a walk with your six-year-old self in the morning. I thought that was interesting. You were, like, talking to him and stuff.
4: Having a conversation with my six-year-old self as I would have wished my dad had had that conversation mm. with me when I was six. So, in essence, I was my dad talking to myself, mm. wishing conversation conversing with my, with my six-year-old self... This is what I would have loved to have had right. experienced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Risk it, Run in the grass. It's okay. you get wet, it's okay. Yeah. You know? jump can the be I yeah. can be inconvenienced right now, yeah, which I could never be in. I could never have inconvenienced my dad growing no. up. Mm. never. It just was unacceptable because I, you know and i as I'm getting, getting trying to gain some, gain some understanding, I think my dad was a very insecure. Uh, tried to validate himself through the way I behaved mm. and if I misbehaved then it somehow reflected on him and he internalized it yeah. so i am still to this day you know I mean, baseball was our our big uh, thing I played baseball through sophomore year of high school I still to this day don't know if I really liked baseball or if I just was trying to get his love and approval you know we talked about that too those, some of those similarities
1: Has we think about that Tom Brokaw's greatest generation thing like well, we handled our shit. Well, what if you handled no, you your didn't. shit and you projected all of your pain <laughs> on your fucking kids? Oh, you yeah, I don't yeah. think. I'm, yeah, that's, that's how, how you handled your shit, buddy. <laughs> Congratulations. I don't,
4: you I don't. I don't think. I think that was that ass. That that it. That, that era is buck up. Don't talk yeah. about it. But
1: oh. I think naturally you end up projecting it, like you yeah. said. Yes, because yeah. because yes. no one yeah. else is around but you and pops, and while no one's there to boss you around or judge you. You can kind of project your your own insecurities and oh, yeah. pain and fucking frustration and control yep. and. So I read an article this week
2: that was interesting. There's this new hashtag in social media that's popular. Something about hashtag self care or something. And that's apparently some new trend. And this article was basically saying that Wait, like once, once like, it becomes a wonderful. hashtag, He's sort of the pendulum goes the other way, though. Or like stuff it and, right. and own your shit. Yeah. You know, shut up. No one wants to hear about it. You know, get back in the closet. All that stuff. You know, like I storm the beach of Normandy, you push it? You know that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. But but then like like the other side is now you have people marketing to self care and self care right. is everything and you know it's yeah. It, I, I'm not, I, I'm when mindfulness
1: was on the cover Time Magazine, I'm like, uh oh. Yeah. To be fair, I don't know that narcissism counts as
2: self-care. <laughs> <laughs> so the very definition of
0: a hashtag self-care. I mean, I go to yoga. <laughs>
2: I, I I like to take care of myself. I'm not into like posting pictures of it or whatever. But um, mm-hmm.
1: the dog post. Want see some <laughs> My down I, downward, dogs. downward dogs, but like selfie at the yoga.
2: Uh, but, uh, but you know, take, t- t- taking a day off uh, uh, off of work, or, or I mean, okay, therapy's a the thing, taking care of is a thing, but it becomes marketed to with, you know, diets and juicing, and like you're saying, like the Instagram girls and the yoga and all that shit, it, it becomes kind of a trendy thing, and has a, has a pendulum gone too far that way with, I need to take care of myself, and I'm so fragile... That I can't handle any stressors because that's one of the critiques of that whole thing now.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's
2: definitely
0: balanced, and by the time yeah. it's become a trending hashtag, it's definitely swung too far.
2: Yeah,
1: yes. I look like this because I do good self-care. self-care. It's like, no, you fucking look like that because you're twenty fucking three. <laughs> 20 and you have 30. some good filters and, <laughs> and three hours of makeup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some good filters. Chuck has a talking stick. Did you want to say something, Chuck?
3: I've had the How talking you stick for a while. Yeah. I'm okay. I'm, I'm just sorry. processing, I guess. The the safety thing is really... It's hard for me. Um, the... So I've met with Michelle, my new therapist, twice now, three times. And we've been kind of hinting hinting on, like, are, am I really safe? You know, mm-hmm. and it's... Because mm-hmm. my body reacts that I'm not physically... Like, I'm not in a safe situation. Like, I'm physically going to be harmed. And then there's also a mental aspect to that, too, where I'm just... Like, the last week, I've noticed... Like, even now, like, I was clenching my teeth. You know, it's like I just... I feel unsafe. Like, no one's going to hurt us. It's, like, a tense... Yeah, Yeah, it's just just super tense, and... No, it's just interesting.
4: Yeah.
3: Speaking of social media, my
1: my favorite uh, smiley face emoji is the clenched teeth smiley face emoji. Yeah? (laughs) I was listening to... I was listening to something I wrote, and I I was writing a, a message to a guy... And I used that emoji, and it said... And I didn't know it was that until the fucking... Because I do text-to-speech while I drive. So it's cool. Because you can just do... (laughs) With your iPhone, you can just... Two fingers down the screen. You have to do it in settings. But it'll read everything that's on the the page. Or you just hold a a post, and it'll just read it. Um, And it said... It said, Russ says, you know, something... Clenched face, smiling face emoji. (laughs) I'm like, oh. Like, am I the... Is that is that like that makes sense? That's sort of a punk rock thing. I don't know, but what is it? What is it? I clench my teeth, and it's cost me a lot in dental. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got a at night.
0: I have an underbite, so I oh, yeah. really clench oh, That makes oh, sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I,
1: I don't. I just <laughs> slobber all <laughs> over the place, which is bad too. My really pillows all. Better
3: clench and grind. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yep. I was always a I was always uh, hesitant for therapy though because it's spent all this time and money. Spend all this energy, and then nothing changes.
2: Yeah, yeah. When I would observe people, it's like, so what'd you get out of that? Or was it good? Or did you yeah. did it benefit you? Eh, kind of. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
3: Maybe at the time. Or. I heard an analogy. And I don't. I don't remember where it was, but it's. So you brush your teeth for two minutes. Does that do anything today? You brush your teeth this morning for two minutes. Did that do anything for you? No, it's, 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 cum- it's cumulative though. Sure, yeah, it's cumulative.
1: Yeah,
3: but that's. The way I look at it though is why should I brush my teeth for two minutes? It's useless today.
0: It
1: makes your breath smell better. <laughs> for a moment and then you eat
3: something and then your breath doesn't you know, smell better.
1: Well that's the thing of developing habits though, right?
3: Well yeah, and that's so that's the analogy is the you know, it's the dentist does going to the dentist doesn't make you have good teeth, brushing your teeth once for two minutes doesn't make you have good teeth. It's the prolonged practice, the constantly of doing things. Yeah, and so that's that's where I'm at now with like the hopefulness of, okay, well, therapy's a fucking hour every <laughs> week. Fuck, I'm just starting, so it's okay. I gotta just grind. Through but is it.
1: it is it not helping, or is it sort of like the no, analogy right of, now? It isn't. Yeah, not yet. Not right. Not yet. <laughs> but no. it's also. But it's also speaking of handling your shit. There's that. There's that analogy with the Buddhist monk, like. What did the booze monk do before he was enlightened? He hauled water. Now that he's enlightened, you know what he does? He still fucking hauls water. <laughs> right? Yeah. I think <laughs> in, in <laughs> American culture. No, he owns a yacht and he has a. No. You know, no, it, that's not true. That's a, so I think a lot of people can also look at people that have been through therapy or have gone through some changes. Well, and, and you I like guess you got sober, but are you. You, you know. You slip, you slip in and out of like healthy states I have to get
2: and unhealthy shut states.
3: Eye. Sleep well.
2: Sorry. That's, that's gonna
3: <laughs> So we have a guest today. <laughs> it's it been really quiet. Like, you, you,
2: Holy crap! You go in and out of like healthy and yeah. unhealthy, you know. Or, or, or I don't know if I like the word enlightenment, but even people that claim that they've experienced it, they go in and out of that. It's okay. not like you're, oh, I'm enlightened. That's it. I've hit. It. It's like, yeah. well, you might have a day of it or a, an hour of it, but you know, then you can have an hour of not. It's not just like a permanent state of being. I think, and that's just the way life is. Um. But I remember with, with considering therapy and the efficacy of it, so I'm more of the, like, social science, liberal arts guy of you guys, but I think. But, like, um, but I remember hearing an anecdote in college. Of, uh, there was, like, this study done where you had a group of licensed psychotherapists and another group of people impersonating licensed psychotherapists. And people go into therapy with each respective group. And at the end of a period of time, they conducted a survey and the satisfaction rating was exactly the same. <laughs> and it just it goes to like yeah. just it's the human need to communicate. It's yeah. the human need for catharsis. Just to no, have
1: I, friends. We joke about this being therapy,
2: right? Yeah, sure. And yeah. it is it is therapeutic. I I will say though, like from experience now having been in therapy for about a year and a quarter or so, is that there is some benefit of having someone else kind of look at Look at something and give some wisdom or some perspective about it. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. You got to go to bed, or she won't shut up. My
4: <laughs> <'Cause they laughs> yeah. kids fucking
2: love That's uh, uh, cool. Can, <laughs> can they hear us?
4: No. Oh, Okay, that's fine. But, <laughs> but they're doing
2: a broadcast thing.
4: Anyways, uh, but but, <laughs> but uh, th- there
2: is some there is some benefits having like like another set of eyes and ears, just kind of giving you some wisdom without an agenda. Except maybe to take your money. Take your money. <laughs> it's
3: yeah. a pretty good but, agenda. <laughs>
2: well, because one, one of the things I, I've gotten from, from therapy, though, and I don't think that this could happen in a, in a religious construct or a Christian construct, because there there's agenda when it's your pastor, or your priest, or whatever cleric you're seeing. There's an agenda to mold you to that thing, right? To that paradigm or to that narrative. A therapist won't necessarily do that, per se. But I think what they do is they give you permission to think your own thoughts and feel your own feelings—not like you really need permission as a you know grown ass adult—but but in a way we yeah. do though yeah. we we do, mm-hmm. you, 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 and, and I think that that's one of the benefits of therapy is give you, giving you permission to think your own thoughts and feel your own feelings, yeah. and not to invalidate them,
3: mm-hmm.
2: if anything, to validate them, mm-hmm. and I think that's where the growth and the progress comes from. EMDR is interesting, and that's why I'm attracted to that therapy is because it it, it kind of works on that more primordial lizard part of your brain but it's one of those therapies that seems to like stir things up before it gets better and mm-hmm. it's really painful
1: and difficult for a lot of people to, yeah. to go through it that must mean to,
2: it's working yeah.
1: <laughs> it's hard to handle my shit after an EMDR session that's why I schedule them in the afternoon now so like if I need to I work early and then just crash which I did yesterday it was intense Fucked um, One of the things that came up, though, speaking of college, I've never been to college, but I used to sell weed to University of Washington <laughs> students. <laughs> that was my was that
4: was closest been. I've been to college. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, but I listened it was, to it. a pharmaceutical <laughs> rap. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Before it was legal, um, but <laughs> I listened to a bunch of lectures over the years, and one of the things I heard, and it was reminded of me yesterday. Uh, was was the, the, the herd mentality. Like as human beings, we're kind of pack animals. And sometimes one of the most unhealthy things that a church can do, especially here in America, right, is when you start to think outside of the herd, um, it can feel really lonely and you can feel isolated. Mm-hmm. And that's why people are brought back into almost a sickly... Way of, of processing their thoughts. Like as long as you're with us, as long as you pray, you're going to be fine. Well, what if I'm not fine? You know, um, what if you start questioning? And then when you do start questioning, it's kind of like Arthur talked about. Arthur's not here tonight, but one of the things he said is he's not friends with any of his Christian. When he's going through one of the toughest times in his life, they all just fucking walked out on him because he wasn't part of the herd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like we we mentioned earlier in this this podcast. Um, the idea that, you brought it up, Steve, I think, uh, if you don't conform, or Derek brought it up, if you don't conform, you know, you're, you're outside the herd. And I've, throughout my life, just my family, my wife, not wanting to, like, I have no problem with conflict in here or out in the world. I was a salesperson for God's sake, right? Um, but... When when it's in my own house, I had a real hard time with conflict. Like I don't want to upset them. I don't want to be the bad guy. Um, and that led to like really processing that was was really no, Russ. You you are thinking that if you bring up a conflict or if you do self care or if you actually um, say, hey, this is not okay, that you're going to be thrown outside the herd or the wolves will get you. you yeah.
3: Know?
2: There's evolutionary reasons for that. that oh yeah, like,
1: exactly, a big time. That's where I learned it from. Was a an evolutionary psychologist talking about, you know?
2: Yeah, we are pack animals. We're we pack animals. And, and that used to bug me. And now I'm just like, yeah, it's just the way we are. <laughs> you know, I don't want to conform to some herd, but, but I I, I actually um, that came up in therapy for me though, because I was talking about that. Punks don't conform well
3: Somehow yes they're unless they're, yeah. they're, unless they're punks. brother punks
2: <laughs> <laughs> like uh, like like Arthur came up for me in a therapy session just like, like with an experience recently it was positive but I was talking about Arthur and I was talking about the idea about how like and I said it before and Rush just basically said it in, in different words but I've said that relationships founded within a construct usually exist to reinforce the construct and they usually don't transcend the construct and that makes me suspicious of those relationships but that's to say that like Us here with a group of friends like this isn't a construct in and of itself. So, i.e., like my good friend Arthur becomes a fundamentalist again. Am I going to really be friends with him? You know, is that really going to work? And the truth is, it's probably not. Right? Odds are Arthur will never become a fundamentalist (laughs)
0: again. I'm just saying. If I was a betting man, but but you know what? If Arthur becomes a fundamentalist, I believe in a
2: fundamental god. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> uh, never... you know what I'm saying now. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, mangling. like. Uh, so, so it, it, it cuts both ways, I guess, is is what I'm saying. So, a question
1: for you because you've been doing the EMDR longer than than us, and how have you been at handling your shit um, with the EMDR? Like, has it interfered with your job or family stuff? And well, it uh, is it getting better? Okay, so several things is
2: kind of. Some stuff Derek's going through actually kind of validates my experience. Like, you know, like, thanks, Derek. Your pain is validating. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> because
3: because, because... it's good for me.
2: Because because I, I would go through it's like, holy shit, this is like really intense. It's really difficult, and I'm even reticent to describe it or talk about it sometimes because it just the way it shows up in your body. It just kind of brings things to the surface. Just. And it's, it's, it's not as quick as I hoped it would be. And, and sometimes the way it works is you're, you're working on one thing and something else comes up. And then you start working on that. And there's all kind of like loose ends that kind of keep coming up too. And so, A, I, I, I maybe had some optimism that it would be quicker than, than it has been for me. Uh, but be in that and realizing I'm more fucked up than I thought I was to begin with, which is okay. And then the other thing that would answer your question is it would show up often just in my ordinary life, just like my work day, or just like feeling more irritable, just in, in, like more reactive in, in, in my body. And I think I've in my treatment sort of turned a corner where I feel more stabilized. I actually feel a lot better. It's just some stuff like Steve's talking about with... Uh, stop.
3: So stop the yeah, MDR. Yeah. Just quit. Right
2: now. You feel better. Well, <laughs>
3: I'm not done yet, though. Yeah, because... You still need your past lives. you got to heal uh, your past no,
2: lives. <laughs> there, there's loose ends. I'm, I'm actually like... like, like. There's about three things I, I, I want to work on. And who knows? Maybe more things will be unearthed. But yeah, I'm not going to do that thing. Like, I'm going to do it forever. I and I, 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 My therapist knows that. I actually had a conversation with her. Like, look, if we had a couple things to tackle like a time specific sort of thing what would you recommend we do she goes this this and this like okay that's good because i'd like to work on those things as well and then i kind of want to either take a break or be done because there is some uh there's some research that i was reading that that says that therapy is most successful when it's time specific when there's like a limit or an end to it it's it's more successful that way Otherwise, yeah. you'll just go on forever. I mean, well, what's what's wrong with going back in two, three? Years? Exactly. Yeah. Reassess. tune yeah. Like. Yeah. It, exactly. But it's not something I think you should do forever. I think it's okay to do for a couple years, few years, even. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, it would show up just in ordinary things because that EMDR works on. It it, it works in in the body. It shows up like somatically and in, in kind of that limbic memory where it just shows up for at least for me and cortisol and adrenaline and i'm just sitting in front of my computer and like and like my work day's not particularly stressful but i feel keyed up like unnecessarily and it's just my subconscious just shit coming to the surface and emdr can really do that for a while and it's it's not that fun it
1: wasn't even christmas yet yeah yeah (laughs) so so land the plane derek
0: Hmm. <laughs> 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 oh, was, uh, EMDR is hard.
3: So something I struggle <laughs> with. Thanks, Chuck. You Chuck funny funny. John, you stated about how it comes up in work. Yeah. Or just everyday life. Yeah. And right now, that's something I struggle with: is a recognizing that you know my body is elevated for some reason, mm-hmm. um, and then not stuffing it. Yeah. Because it's, I'll sit at my desk and same thing. It's like I clenched teeth and freaking sweat, and it's like, what the what fuck? The like, heck? Why am I all worked up? And then it's just like, okay, I feel like everyone's watching me. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, let's stuff this fucking emotion, let's stuff this whatever it is down inside, put it back where it belongs inside the
4: box, and say, fuck you. Because don't you tell, tell yourself that you're the only one that's struggling with that? That's the lie I've lived. For most of my life, other guys don't struggle to no. sit in front of
2: their desk like I oh,
4: do, no, or in traffic, or in their relationships, or yeah. their job, or whatever. Yeah, and if you're the only it one, would encourage anyone is to get in in a, in a group with with like other guys or gals, even and start sharing your stuff, very find that you're not alone. Yeah, people that are safe to share your soul. Yeah. Speaking of traffic,
3: and I mean this with all the love in the world you caused your own six-year-old self to be enraged oh, yeah. because you got on the fucking freeway when you could have used surface streets.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Please warn it. Everybody
2: else does. I, so I, I had a thought about that six-year-old self thing with where, where I said I think I turned a corner I feel better and a bit more stable. <laughs> That's why Everett fucking sucks. <laughs>
4: You're trying to
2: say a
0: six-year-old self is a bad driver? That's not really surprising. Driving Western no, Washington sucks. Choice.
3: Oh, I made 50 bad 56-year-old Steve... <laughs> Are you 56? 66. When,
2: when you turn a corner and you start to feel better, you realize you can look in hindsight at how you just were not in your right mind for like a good duration of time. Well, I would say not ever, but, but there, were, I, I, can, I can point to, to moments with my kids or even with my wife where like, yeah, I wasn't in my right mind when I had that reaction, or when I dealt with that that way, or when I said this or did that. Like I was not in my right mind at all, <laughs> and that's scary, you know. Like, <laughs> because because at the time you kind of know that yeah, I'm not feeling well and I'm reactive. Like that's the way I would kind of think of it. But coming on this side of it, it's like oh no, it was more than that. Like you really
3: were off. Like like kind of not well. You know? Are you actually feeling better, or are you just okay with? Where you were.
2: What's the difference?
3: Both are good. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not saying both are good. But it's
2: yeah. I would say both. Yeah, I'd say both. Oh, first,
0: it's like being at peace. We yeah. just crashed. We, we.
2: That's okay.
0: Somebody hit the. Stop
2: bud. Well we're just it's okay. I mean we can land a plane. Or you need to go to bed like your Siri is telling you to. He's on vacation. He's, He's on vacation. He's, He's in Margaritaville. Oh I can't <laughs>
1: wait. Here's a, here's Teaching. something. when I first when I first started doing this kind of work. We are gonna watch it, aren't we? I okay. uh, I apologized to my kids it's been for the first a time. Like I did something where I went off on my kids and I went off on everyone and then I went Took a deep breath, and I went, uh, hey, I'm sorry. Like, that was messed up. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have reacted that way. And I think that was turning that corner for me. And then seeing my kids, my wife was not impressed, but my kids were like, like, oh, wow, Dad just apologized. Like, wow, like, he doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. And that was, I think it was kind of a cool
3: moment for them. Um, but I don't know. That'll I remember the that first time I apologized to my kids. Yeah? They thought I was fucking Superman after that. Yeah, yeah. Because you're old. human, yeah.
1: right? You're I'm showing yourself as, hey, I don't get all the freaking answers. I'm human like you. I'm just an
4: older version. Uh, anyway. I'm a human, after all.
1: That's right. Hey, Amen. Hey, Griswold.
0: Where do you think you're going to put a tree that big? Bend over and I'll show you. That's a huge
2: bitch. Thanks for listening to Punk Theology. Oh, the silent majesty of a winter's morn, the clean, cool chill of the holiday air, and an asshole in his bathrobe emptying a chemical toilet into my sewer. Like to join us in having more ears hear this punk sound? Please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you may hear this fucking podcast.
0: Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Kiss my ass. Kiss his ass. Kiss your ass. Happy Hanukkah.
2: Punk Theology is the property of Digital Audio Project, a limited liability corporation, who is responsible for its content.
3: Don't chicken out! Nobody's walking out on this fun old fashioned family Christmas. No, no! We're
0: all in this together! We're gonna press on, and we're gonna have the hap, hap, happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap dance with Danny fucking K. And when Santa squeezes his fat, white ass down that chimney night, he's gonna find the jolliest bunch of assholes this side of the Nuthouse. <laughs>